All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, the provincial budget getting closer, and it was interesting, mm-hmm. uh, big business now putting some pressure on the government for tax well, cuts, tax relief. Small business. Uh, a lot of small businesses. And small business, too. In particular. So the B.C. Chamber of Commerce had a delegation over here yesterday, uh, sort of uh, sounding the alarm, or the, that there's at least tax relief should be coming particularly to small business owners who are feeling the pinch on a number of measures enacted by this government, um, which has a cost to employers, and that's raising the minimum wage, um, more stat holidays. Yeah, we uh, just got the Truth and Reconciliation yeah. stat holiday now. Yeah, that's a, that's a new holiday. So then you've got um, uh, the employer health tax yeah. that came in to replace medical service premiums. So it's put a mandatory little, sick days. Mandatory sick that's days. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, all those add up to costs to employers, particularly, I think, the impact is much greater on small business owners, which is why we heard from uh, that delegation yesterday. Yeah, let's have a listen to a small business owner. So this is Global News from last night. Lisa Smith, owner of the Mint Hair Lounge in Port Moody, and here's her take on it. Have a listen. There needs to be some help from the government to help small businesses stay afloat. With inflation being a thing and everything starting to rise, I can only raise my prices so much before clients start to leave. So in terms of what to expect from the budget, I don't think you're going to see, well, first of all, statutory holidays, they are what they are. They're not going to be changed. Uh, you're not going to see a decrease in the minimum wage that will continue to go up. There is a potential, there's always a potential for maybe a reduction in the small business uh, tax, which governments do move up, move down, a point or two from time to time. That's one area that we could see some potential relief because the budget is going to be in a big deficit. There's no expectation there's going to be a, a surplus unlike this year. But there's a lot of unallocated money in these budgets. In the three-year fiscal plan of the NDP, there's billions of dollars of un- unallocated money in contingency funds, forecast allowances, all sorts of things that mask the fact that there's probably some room to make some fiscal changes. Well, NDP not necessarily known for cutting business taxes. No, no but they, so. they um, you know, the Harcourt, I think the Harcourt government did at one point in the 90s. But uh, you're right. No, the NDP government is known for liking taxes, whether it's a speculation yeah. tax, employer health tax, uh, and such. But um, I, I wouldn't rule it out of the realm of possibility. And there's certainly movement on that. Certainly not going to budge on mandatory paid sick days nope. either. In, in fact, they're getting pressure from from the trade unions to bring in even more paid sick days. Yeah, so I don't see any movement on that either. But I, like I say, if there's anything that's going to change, it could be that small business uh, tax rate. Let's talk about this uh, key ruling here yesterday from the BC Court of Appeal. So this is the highest court in British Columbia. Uh, the Hells Angels clubhouses mm-hmm. can be seized by the government. Wow, three of them, East Vancouver, Kelowna, Nanaimo. They got the Hells Angels clubhouses here. Mm-hmm. The government allowed to seize them under the Civil Forfeiture Act. Now, this is one that the Angels lawyered up, and they fought the government on this. The government's trying to seize their clubhouses. And the Hells Angels actually won in court in mm-hmm. the lower court, the B.C. Supreme Court. So now the, the, the appeal court has now over, overturned that in favor of the government. So this will likely go to the Supreme Court of Canada. Now, the B.C. Court of Appeal doesn't have the best track record in front of the uh, Supreme Court of Canada. The Supreme Court of Canada has overruled a number of B.C. Court of Appeal decisions, I think in greater proportion than other provincial 
high court. So, so we'll see where this goes. I mean, we're talking three expensive properties here. Uh, yeah. There's no, no such thing as cheap real estate in, in BC, whether it's a Hell's Angels clubhouse or whether it's uh, your aunt's place. Okay, let's have a listen to Premier David Eby here reacting to this uh, appeal court decision on Hell's, the Hell's Angels. Have a listen. People are uh, known to police. Uh, they're driving luxury cars. They own real estate. Uh, and, uh, and they don't appear to have any source of income uh, for that, operating quite openly uh, in our province. Uh, so I think this sends a strong message under our existing civil forfeiture regime. Well, I can already hear the Hells Angels lawyers at the Supreme Court of Canada saying, well, so what if they're driving around an expensive car? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, even though the Court of Appeal doesn't have the best track record in front of the Supreme Court of Canada, it'll be interesting if, if the top justices side with the Hells Angels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, are they really going to do that? I don't think so. Yeah, the Hells Angels actually have an official spokesperson in, yeah. in British Columbia who was... Not available to my knowledge. I didn't see the I didn't see the Hell's Angels quoted anywhere yesterday. Yeah, we reached out to them at Global. Uh, Kamal did, but uh, no no reply. However, in their earlier statements, they had argued that this was effectively unconstitutional, illegal to just seize mm-hmm. seize property if you haven't convicted of someone of, of a crime. But the judge the judge said was convinced that the appeal these appeal court judges the unanimous ruling of the BC Appeal Court. Thing. They were convinced that there was wrongdoing going on in these clubhouses. There, there was there was planning going on in these clubhouses to break the law. So therefore, go and ahead. It, the government it, can have their clubhouse. And it was a unanimous judgment. Yeah. And if memory serves me correctly, the couple of the Court of Appeal judgments that were overturned by the Supreme Court of Canada were not unanimous in B.C. There was always a dissenting judge, which is a sign that other judges might side with them as well. Okay, watching that one closely. We touched briefly yesterday on... Would there be a, a snap election in British Columbia if, if EB wants to take advantage of these opinion polls right now that seem to be in the NDP's favor? The the Liberals starting to get on a bit of a fundraising role here. Could the NDP try to cut them off at the pass here with a, with a snap election call? There was that poll that came out yesterday. It said most British Columbians appear to think that he might do 53%, it. 53%, according to Research Co. But the question was put to him yesterday. Again, the answer is no. Let's have a listen to what he had to say. So you'll hear, you'll hear Premier David Eby here. You'll also hear Liberal leader Kevin Falcon. They want our government to take action. Uh, and uh, they've not said to me that they want an election. We'll uh, continue to work on those priorities for British Columbians uh, to deliver for them. And then we have a fixed election date uh, where they'll have the opportunity to weigh in on how we've done. David Eby has been so definitive this time around that I think that for him to now break his word would really go to a serious question of trust and integrity. Yeah, that's why I think he's well, probably not going to do it. No, he's not going to have an election. There, the, the budget on February 28th is not an election budget. There's not yeah. going to be a lot of goodies in that thing. It's going to be kind of a, a downer. Uh, these guys, I've yet to talk to a single person of senior uh, ranks in the B, in NDP government who is even contemplating wanting an election. You think, what do you think the Liberals want? You heard Falcon say there, if he dares do this, his reputation will be in tatters. But do you think the, uh, think no. the Liberals want an election? I, I don't think they want no. an election. I don't think they're organized. I don't think the NDP is that organized right now. I don't think the Liberals are. Uh, the Liberals are in the middle of a transition of a name change. Yeah. What's so, the status of that, by the way, going to BC United? BC United, I think kicking later, later this, this year. year later yeah. this year, but it, could they get caught in the middle of a name change where half their campaign signs say BC Liberals and half say BC United? Well, this is this is one of the reasons why people continue to speculate. We could could EB try to sort of cut them off before they change their name? Uh, that's not inconceivable. I just don't think it's going to happen. Oh, well, it's not going to happen this spring. Does it happen next fall? Hmm, maybe. Or next spring, a year from now? I think that's a more likely scenario. But EB keeps talking about sticking to the fixed election date, which is October 2024. 
And I know talking to cabinet ministers, senior officials, how much they enjoy being in government rather yeah, than yeah. being in opposition. I mean, yeah. the, ones, the ones who served in opposition want no chance of going back into opposition. They want to be in government as long as they can, which means sticking to October 2024. We had a really interesting segment here earlier in the show on dangerous and treacherous highways in British Columbia, and we, we focused specifically on Highway 5 near Kamloops, where there's been some mm-hmm. fatal accidents recently, A lot of them, most of them involving uh, commercial traffic, so mm-hmm. trucks. And one of the local mayors there, Ward Stamer, he's the mayor of Barrier, B.C., saying that he wants reforms, he wants... Um, potential speed limiters on trucks, which would physically prevent some of these trucks from speeding, Electro- mandatory electronic monitoring of some of the trucks, variable speed limits. So if the highway conditions get a little treacherous, there's some snow, the speed limit would actually change. I guess there would be a sign over the highway. Now the speed limit's lower. Is this is allow the, allow the RCMP to more effectively police it. Mandatory dash cams. For, that's, for that's trucks, a, that's a lot of wants. That's um, a that's a long list of uh, ideas that he's put out, and he's he's rallying support for it. But w- what's your read on that? Well, it's 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 not going to happen this legislative session. It's my understanding. I don't think that's part of the twenty five bills. This would require legislative uh, changes, and that can be a long process. So, but if he wants to start the process, he, what he's got to do is get get his arguments in front of the transportation ministry and the transportation minister Rob Fleming, yep. and see if that could, perhaps develop some legislative changes in time for the fall. Okay, Keith Baldry's my guest. Baldry's beat lots of calls. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hi, hi good morning, Mike. Uh, yeah, hey, I just want to comment on the small business. My wife is a prime example. She runs an early learning center all outdoors. I think I've told you that. She has 230 families thinking of closing the doors. And I'll tell you, five days, six days, I'll, I'll tell you firsthand, people do take advantage of it. I don't care what anyone says. So not only does she have to pay for a substitute she also now has to pay for that day off for those pers- those those employees and I, I just don't see how a government how can they do this i think it's socialist socialism with a capital s you know and i remember my dad and my grandpa having I, I was a teenager and i remember this conversation you can never go too far to the left and they were staunch they were staunch to the left the strong ndc well. supporters like i used to be so that's what I have to say. They gotta. There better be help for small business, as far as I'm concerned. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thank you, Rob. Well, I think that the whole sick day issue really stems from the pandemic. If you go back, this is where this yeah. was first talked about. It wasn't talked about pre-pandemic. It was the right. issue of being coming to work sick. Yeah, that became a much bigger issue in yeah. the er, first year or two of the pandemic, when it was a real critically serious issue of coming to work sick, infecting all your coworkers. We did. Stories right at the beginning of the pandemic of, of people talking about how someone came to work w- with COVID or uh, an illness and just infected the entire workplace. Everyone was getting sicker all the time. That's where this issue originates. Whether it lasts going forward, it's going to be interesting. But this has federal support as well. Well, that's why the supporters of paid sick days actually argue that paid sick days are cheaper for business because they'll say that, you know, this will discourage sick workers from coming into yeah, work and, and, and making all the rest of your staff exactly. sick. Now, business doesn't see it that way, no. though. <laughs> no, they don't, but uh, that is one of the, that's the the argument in support of it. Yeah. Dave and Mission. Hi, Dave. Hi, Keith. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, a couple things about this uh, speed limiter thing and stuff like that for, for trucks and that. I've been in the business for 43 years. I've seen it all. And I think the one thing that we need to talk about with truck accidents and what's going on in the business right now and the elephant in the room is lack of training and lack of proper training. You can't expect a guy with, that goes to a driving course 
gets his license and then hooks on to a Super B and they send him to Edmonton and expect him to know what to do. This is, this is the problem, is I grew up in the business. I was trained by my dad. My brothers were trained by my dad. And this is where, this is how it has to be. I'm sorry, I know there's a lack of drivers and stuff like that. But when it comes to all of this, all these, all this shit that's going on, you can't expect that these guys are, that, are, that just basically get a driver's license, a class one, and get in a truck with an automatic transmission in it and just start going. It's, so, it's, so, you there, so you therefore would argue for what? Like more mandatory training? More mandatory training. Bring guys up through the ranks like, like I did. My dad, when I started driving with my dad, I was never allowed to drive with a load on for the first X amount of time. You have to get. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be able to get the feel for the road. And as far as I'm concerned, the automatic transmission is the bane of the industry because what's happened is you get guys that get in a truck with an automatic in it, they drive it like it's a pickup truck with a trailer behind it, and you don't get any feel for the road. You have to know which gear you can go up a hill in, and which gear you can go down a hill in, and stuff like that. You can't okay. just thing oh. and drive and drive it like you, drive it like you stole it. Thank you. Yeah. Great call, Dave. Yeah, didn't, things you didn't know about the trucking industry. Yeah, right. I didn't know that if these trucks had automatic transmissions. I yeah. just assumed that a lot of them were gear shift. But um, it's also the issue of training where I think you see a lot of these accidents is in the winter on our highways, which can be quite dangerous in the winter. And are they getting adequately trained to drive safely in treacherous conditions, which well, is different than the, driving Well, look at all the these guys we, we see slamming into highway overpasses, <laughs> well, like the, the guy in the dump truck who was driving along with his dump know, truck up in I have to wonder whether something else was going on there in terms yeah. of substances that were illegal. Oh, well, Ben and Kamloops. Hi, Ben. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. I'm a class one driver. I was just listening to Dave. He's right on the money about the training. Uh, when I got my license, I, I, I had a job right away. It was a long time ago. I'm a senior now. And I had no idea how to back that into a loading dock. I went through a training program, but the thing is, guys, it's a lifestyle. It's a it's a it's a mindset of this rushing, rushing. I was a faller in BC, and in the late '90s, they changed that legislation that outlawed paying a faller by the by production. It was so dangerous because of the mindset of rushing. It wasn't that you're speeding. You're talking about, being a, talking about being a tree faller. So you like the guys yeah. would be what? They'd want to rush cutting down trees, get killed. Yeah, I think there was yeah. 30 died in that year yeah. that they finally said, that's enough is enough. Now, the same thing, I just go with this over and over in my head. Like, what is preventing them from doing this in the trucking industry? Like I said, I, I'm a class one driver, and it is so crazy out there. It's, it's just—it's—it's it's unbelievable. I, I had to stop. Well, do you think it—do you—do you think it's the shortage of drivers? It is the problem. Is it's the mindset of rushing? Uh, people hire you. Oh, it's twenty-eight bucks an hour. You get there. No, it's—it's it's paid by the production. Get twenty-eight bucks an hour if you—if you, if you okay. fill your production. It's all about production. This thing has got to stop. This is a huge. Thank you, problem. Ben. Thank you, Ben, for the call. Well, you, gotta, you, say, you raised the question of shortage of drivers. We've talked on this segment many. You had, you've had segments many times on the shortage of people in various professions, whether it's healthcare, whether it's ferry workers. One assumes that it has to apply to the trucking industry as well. 